Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Educating Investors Podcast. My name is Scott Peterson, Financial Advisor of Harmony Wealth Management. Thanks for tuning in for today's episode, the Federal Reserve Economic Projections for June 2021 and what it means for markets. I believe that educated investors equal successful investors. The goal of this podcast is to help educate as many individuals as possible on markets, the economy, and financial planning topics. In this episode, I'm going to discuss the Federal Reserve's recently updated economic projections on GDP, unemployment, the PCE, and the Fed funds rate, and what it could mean for markets. I would highly recommend having a copy of the Federal Reserve projections in front of you to be able to follow along with the episode of this podcast. You can find the projections at www.federalreserve.gov backslash monetary policy, and then clicking on the link for projection materials. Great place to start is with the Federal Reserve's decision on interest rates. As expected, the Federal Reserve's Federal Open Market Committee, or the FOMC, decided to keep the Fed Fund's target rate in a range of 0 to 0.25%, where it has been since March of 2020. Here's what the policy-setting Federal Open Market Committee said. The committee decided to keep target range for the federal funds rate at 0 to quarter percent and expects it will be appropriate to maintain at this target range until labor market conditions have reached level consistent with committee's assessments of maximum employment and inflation has risen to 2% and is on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. What does that mean? The Fed said that it expects it will be appropriate to keep short-term interest rates near zero until three conditions are met. The job market is fully healed, inflation has returned to the target rate, and inflation is on track to moderately exceed the target rate for some time. It means the Fed will try to hit about a 4% unemployment rate and get inflation higher before raising rates. How do we know it's around 4% unemployment rate? Because the Fed tells us with its longer-run projection. That level for unemployment could even be lower than 4%, with the Fed projecting that the unemployment rate at the end of 2023 coming in at 3.5%. In addition, the Federal Reserve will continue to increase its holdings of Treasury securities by at least $80 billion per month and of agency mortgage-backed securities by at least $40 billion per month until substantial further progress has been made toward the committee's maximum employment and price stability goal. What this state is that the Fed intends to hold the size of purchase at or above the current pace until the Fed achieves clear further progress toward its economic objectives. Note, though, that further progress is not complete progress. The Fed will pull back on the asset purchase program before raising interest rates. The Fed chairman did not give any hints to what further progress looks like in terms of slowing asset purchases, but he did say that the Fed will give advance notice of a change in their asset purchase program. The Fed has started to see some further progress toward their goals as they started to move slowly toward removing the emergency monetary policy that was in place due to the pandemic. If we look at the minutes from the April meeting that were released on May 19th, a number of participants suggested that if the economy continued to make rapid progress toward the committee's goal, it might be appropriate at some point in upcoming meetings to begin discussing a plan for adjusting the pace of asset purchases. This was followed by a parade of Fed members following up on the statement made in the minutes with remarks and comments of their own in regards to thinking about tapering asset purchases. Finally, the Federal Reserve will soon begin selling off the corporate bonds and exchange-traded funds it amassed last year through an emergency lending vehicle set up to contain the COVID-19 pandemic's economic fallout, which many believe violated the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. Fed Chairman Powell stated at the press conference after the June Fed meeting last week, you can think about this meeting that we had as a talking about talking about tapering. Talking about talking about tapering is the first step in the tapering process as part of the slowly tightening monetary policy. 
He added that the economy is making progress toward the Fed's goal and that policymakers will be assessing the appropriate time to begin scaling back the purchases at coming meetings. Part of that progress is improving other indicators of employment, including unemployment indicators based on rate and ethnicity, educational attainment, age, and labor force participation rate. There's still a way to go based on these other indicators, but enough progress has been made for the Fed to begin talking about talking about tapering asset purchases. Employers added 837,000 jobs in April and May, leaving total unemployment 7.6 million jobs shy of pre-pandemic levels. However, policymakers have become less confident in recent weeks that the economy can recover all the jobs lost amid the pandemic without spurring inflation. Some 2.6 million people retired between February 2020 and April this year, according to estimates from the Dallas Fed. A steadily aging U.S. population suggests limited scopes for reversing that trend, some economists say. The economy may not recover all the jobs lost during the pandemic due to more individuals retiring. This could lead the Fed to believe that we are closer to full employment and potentially speed up the timelines some for tighter monetary policy, including tapering and the Fed fund rate increases. This is what the projections are telling us, which we will discuss a little later. So when will the Fed announce that they are looking to start tapering their asset purchases? Based on the latest fund manager survey from the Bank of America, 63% of the investors surveyed believe that the announcement will come at the Jackson Hole meeting in August or the September FOMC meeting. As I stated in my last podcast episode, thinking about thinking about tapering, I thought Jackson Hole seemed like an obvious choice for that announcement. At last year's meeting, they introduced their new inflation target of an average of 2%. So if they do announce tapering asset purchases, the next question would be, when would they start? According to the Federal Reserve Bank of a New York April survey of market participants, it shows that the belief that actual tapering would begin in the first quarter of 2022. This timeline would make sense with them announcing taper in August and September, giving the market plenty of time to digest it. Goldman Sachs also believes that the beginning of tapering will happen in the first quarter of 2022. To learn more about tapering, listen to my last podcast episode, Thinking About Thinking About Tapering. So now that we've looked at the current decisions on rates and asset purchases, let's take a look at the Fed's projection for real GDP, unemployment, core PCE, and the Fed funds rate going forward. In terms of real GDP, the median projection for 2021 is 7%, for 2022 3.3%, and for 2023 2.4%. The long-run median projection they see at 1.8%. Longer-run projections represent each participant's assessment of the rate to which each variable would be expected to converge under appropriate monetary policy and in the absence of further shocks to the economy. When comparing their June outlook versus the March outlook, the committee's outlook shows GDP in 2021 growing faster than their March projection, which was 6.5%. They left 2022 projections the same, with a slight uptick in their GDP projection for 2023. The long-run median estimate of 1.8% is not much different than what the economy is growing at before the pandemic. With the amount of unproductive debt to GDP, an aging demographic, decreases in the amount of workers due to lower birth rates and slower immigration, and no consistent pickup in productivity, this would lead me to believe that growth would be slow going forward. In order to see economic growth pick up, we need to see an increase in workers and productivity, which equals the growth in GDP. With economic cycles seeming to speed up and the projections that the Fed will raise rates in 2023, I would not be surprised to see the economy slow and possibly move into a recession in 2024. Except for the pandemic, every post-war recession was due to the Fed raising interest rates. Investors surveyed in the last Bank of America Global Fund Manager surveys tend to agree. 
When asked when do you think will be the next recession, the top answer was 26% saying 2024. As we look at the unemployment rate projections, we see their projection for 2021 is 4.5%, 3.8% in 2022, and 3.5% in 2023. The long-run median projection, they see at 4%. The unemployment projection stayed mostly the same from the March projection. Besides a slight downtick to 3.8% from 3.9% in 2022. The long-run median projection of 4% is pretty close to the Federal Reserve estimate of the natural rate of unemployment, which is around 4.27%. The natural rate of unemployment represents the lowest unemployment rate whereby inflation is stable or the unemployment rate that exists with non-accelerating inflation. Based on this new monetary policy frame that was recently released and the current Federal Reserve economic projections, I would not expect them to increase interest rates until the unemployment rate got to 4% or less. Even though the Fed sees unemployment dropping close to its estimate of the longer run rate of 4% at the end of 22, this improvement has no bearing on the decision to raise or not raise policy rate. The Fed no longer sees closing the estimated unemployment gap as by itself a reason to hike interest rates. The Fed needs to see actual inflation sustained moderately above 2% to justify a rate hike. In terms of their preferred measure of inflation, core PC, their median projections for 2021 is 3%, for 2022 it's 2.1%, and for 2023 it's 2.1%. Longer run projections for core PC inflation are not collected. The median projection for core PC was increased for 2021 to 3% from 2.2% in March. However, they see 2022 and 2023 right around their long run target of the average inflation rate of 2%. This shows through their projections that they believe the uptick in inflation will be mostly temporary caused by the base effect of lower inflation numbers rolling off the year-over-year comparisons and pent-up demand for the services from the reopening of the economy. The economy is reopening only once, so this pent-up demand will eventually start to slow as supply constraints start to be alleviated, which eventually should bring prices down. The cure for high prices is high prices. This is the other reason why they don't see their median projection for Fed funds rate to move all the way through 2023 because they want to see maximum employment and inflation that has risen to 2% and is on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. What could cause inflation to come back more consistently? The forces that could push inflation higher include the continued dollar depreciation and monetary printing if followed by an increase in velocity of money, supply chain constraints, ongoing deglobalization, a tighter labor market, and the Fed's commitment to overshooting its inflation target. On the other hand, there are forces that are pushing inflation lower, which include a weak economy, weak labor markets, older demographics, technology including robots and automation, the rise of unproductive zombie companies, and more unproductive government debt holding back growth. Year-over-year inflation has increased with the easy comparisons during the first part of the year and the increase in pent-up demand as the service economy starts to reopen with distributions of vaccines and the immunization of the population. Services are the most stable portion of inflation, and goods are generally far more volatile and less consistent. We should start to see demand for goods start to slow as demand for the services start to rise, which will lead to service inflation rising while goods inflation should start to stabilize. Finally, we take a look at the Fed Funds projections. The median projection for the Fed Funds rate is 0.1% for 2021 and 2022 and 0.6% for 2023. While initial rate hike was once thought of as a 2024 event at the earliest, the majority of members now expect at least two quarter point interest rate hikes to take place in 2023. Additionally, seven members out of 18 expect at least one rate hike in 2022. Their long-run median projection for the Fed Fund rate is 2.5%. 
The interesting thing about their long-run rate projection of 2.5% is that it was the level at which they stopped raising rates in December of 2018. This was during the stock market sell-off of 2018. It showed that the market had a hard time with the Fed just raising the rates on the Fed funds from zero to a range of two and a quarter to two and a half percent. The median projection of the long-run Fed funds rate is essentially the estimate of the neutral rate. The neutral rate is a Fed funds rate that neither stimulates nor restrains economic growth. So with the median projection at basically zero through 2022, this shows how easy monetary policy is currently, and this should be very stimulating for the economy, even though they are looking to tighten policy with the potential tapering of asset purchases and the possibility of raising rates sooner than expected in the March project. So what do these projections say about what the Fed is currently thinking? The FOMC has a new policy framework consisting of an accommodating monetary policy using asset purchases and the target range for the Fed funds rate, at an average of 2% inflation target with a stable 2% market inflation expectation and forward guidance. Forward guidance stated that the policy would be accommodated until labor market conditions reach level consistent with the committee's estimate of maximum employment and until inflation has reached 2% and is on track to moderately exceed 2% for some time. The Fed's updated guidance on asset purchases clearly linked to economic outcomes. There's reason to think that the Fed sees enough substantial further economic improvement to look in the near future to announce the tapering of asset purchases, possibly in August or September, with them likely starting the taper in the beginning of next year. Based on the Fed's current projections, that would be well into 2022 or 23 before we might expect any adjustment in Fed funds policy rates. The Fed sharply revised upwards its projections for economic growth and inflation for 2021. However, the projections for 2022, 2023 in the long run were left pretty much unchanged. This shows that the reopening of the economy, along with fiscal and monetary stimulus, and pent-up demand will lead to well above trend growth and inflation for 2021. However, they see economic growth and inflation reverting back to more of the trend growth seen before the pandemic. Seeing inflation as more temporary and economic growth slowing down due to the increasing level of unproductive debt and the removal of monetary and fiscal stimulus. Finally, financial conditions remain very loose, with credit spreads continuing to be very low, and there are no signs that companies or individuals are having problems in accessing or raising capital. So additional liquidity provided by the Federal Reserve at this point would not help in the recovery of economic growth and inflation. The Fed can do more with monetary policy if needed. However, in the near term, the help that people need isn't from low interest rates and more liquidity. So what does the current monetary policy based on their economic projections mean for the markets? Even though the Fed isn't in a position to do more to boost the economy today, its choices still matter. That's because the central bank retains the capacity to prematurely kill the recovery, one of the biggest risks for the long-term investors, businesses, and workers alike by tightening policies too soon. The forward guidance provided by the Fed at their June meeting is a very strong, very powerful commitment not to do that even as they prepare to start tapering asset purchases and possibly raise the Fed funds rate in 2023. In this environment of loose money, significant fiscal stimulus, and low interest rates, I believe it's rational for investors to continue to favor equities which offer higher return potentials. What's more, low interest rates reduce the discount rates that equity investors use to value equities which pushes up equity valuations. Lower for longer interest rates support the stock market, especially growth in tech. To the extent that the Fed and other central banks are increasingly dedicated and comfortable with a regime of lower negative real rates, this is supportive of long-dated assets, assets where your cash flows tend to be further in the future, such as growth stocks. The tech stocks are the ones that have done well during the pandemic due to the strong balance sheets and cash flow generation. A lot of these companies have actually benefited from the pandemic in terms of revenue and earnings. 
the economic reopening from the pandemic as more and more individuals get vaccinated would provide support to small and big cat companies that would benefit from a safe reopening of the economy. The reopening of the economy could benefit international and emerging market equities, which have lower valuations, indexes that have more exposures to sectors such as industrials that would benefit from increasing economic growth and a lower dollar. With fixed income rates as low as they are and investors looking for income, dividend growth equities will be in demand. Not all dividend-paying companies are equal. Investors should look for those that have the ability to pay their current dividend, as well as those with low payout ratios and high dividend coverage ratios that can potentially increase their dividends over time at a faster pace than inflation so that income keeps its purchasing power. Spreads on fixed income are continued to narrow. Companies are continuing to become more levered by issuing a record level of corporate debt last year, as well as pushing out the maturity of their bonds. Compensation for taking on more credit risk or interest rate risk has fallen. I believe with this backdrop and the possibility of more volatility that investors should look to have a majority of their fixed income in core bonds such as treasury, agency-backed mortgage securities, and investment-grade or municipals. These are the fixed income market aren't as correlated to equities, which can provide needed diversification to an investor's portfolio. While interest rates should continue to be lower for longer over the longer term, yield could rise some with increasing chances of economic growth picking up this year and next year with the distribution of vaccine and the reopening of the world's economies. According to double-line funds, agency mortgage-backed securities have tended to outperform other traditional fixed-income sectors during rising rate environments. Since the inception of the Aggregate Bond Index in 1986, 10-year Treasury yields have risen by 100 basis points on more than 13 separate occasions. Agency mortgage-backed securities provided positive returns in 6 of the 13 time periods. They outperformed Treasuries and the Aggregate Bond Index in all 13 time periods and outperformed corporate bonds in 9 of the 13 time periods. With a long-run estimate for the Fed funds rate at 2.5%, which is a neutral rate, 10-year yields should not move higher than the neutral rate. So this could give investors the ability to lengthen duration if yields continue to move higher. With yields as low as they are, investors are not going to get much return from spreads narrowing further, so returns are going to come from the yield, which historically over time is where a majority of fixed income returns come from. This would benefit investors to have a small allocation to more aggressive fixed income with higher yields in their portfolio to complement their core bond positions. One area of aggressive fixed income that could be more favorable with the projections to rate hikes moving up would be bank loans, also known as leveraged loans. Leveraged loans are typically priced with floating interest rates. The leveraged loan market could continue to do well because of the risks that rates could rise sometime in 2023. Finally, an allocation to cash in the portfolio can add a layer of liquidity and diversification from risk assets in the portfolio with valuations on the markets, especially in the U.S., being overvalued and with many sentiment indicators showing investors to be currently very bullish. Extreme investor optimism can be a warning sign for the market. Sentiment indicators such as the put-call ratio and the Ned David Research crowd sentiment poll are showing extreme optimism in the market and volatility could pick up along with tapering talk continuing. This completes this episode of the Educating Investors podcast. I know that time is an important asset for everybody, so I appreciate you taking part of your day to listen. If you enjoyed the content of this podcast, feel free to share this with other friends and family that may be interested. Also, feel free to check out my website at www.harmonywealthmanagement.com to learn more about what I do as well as to find my contact information and links to my LinkedIn page and blog. 
The Educating Investors Podcast is presented for informational purposes only. The information presented on the Educating Investors Podcast should not be construed as investment advice. Always consult a licensed investment professional before making investment decisions. The Educating Investors Podcast is host Scott Peterson and his firm Harmony Wealth Management LLC should not be held liable for losses resulting from investment decisions based on information or viewpoints presented on the Educating Investors Podcast show.